Brenda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares, and we are back again. And we have something pretty exciting happening. So we have a new sponsor, and she is going to be sponsoring the whole second half of the segment. So Barron, why don't you go ahead? I think this is really exciting. Here here we sit with our 34th show that we're recording, Mm -hmm. and I met Marianne very randomly. We'll get more into that here in a little bit. But she said, I would love to sponsor your show. Absolutely. So Marianne is with Next Home Realty Connection. Okay. And Marianne, tell us what we do. Well, thank you for having me. I'm enjoying watching you guys put this all together and being a little uh, mouse in the corner over here. (laughs) Uh, We are the new kid in town. Uh, We have two offices for Next Home Realty Connection in Portland. We have one in Vancouver, and uh, now we have one in Salem, Oregon. How exciting. I know. Congratulations. Thank you. We just opened an office in South Salem uh, on uh, the corner of Liberty Road and Salem Heights. Uh, We have... Three people working with me there, and I'm just super happy to have a new option in town for buyers and sellers and agents to come and chat with me and talk about what makes us special and and different than the other companies in town. Absolutely. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, how would they get a hold of you? Probably the best way is by my phone, which is 503-409-4389, and that's my cell phone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your sponsorship. We're excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I want to go back to some of these numbers again. Okay. It's like I can shock you twice. Uh, All right. (laughs) What I found so intriguing about this whole section from from Dr. Cohen's book is the title says, Not So Sweet, The Dangers of Sugar. Okay. That was actually the the title title. for this little subsection. All right. And at the very start, again, he says, An example of powerful forces we are up against became clear in 2016. When they did that study? Yeah. So it was the University of California in San Francisco. They did a study looking at documents between 1960 and 1970. And they they found that the sugar industry was working very hard to hide the dangers of sugar. Mm -hmm. And so they started this campaign. But then later on, he actually says, while the idea that sugar feeds cancer is still disputed by many oncologists as an oversimplification. Now, we have on the phone, you still there, Brenda? Yes, here I am. All right, so we have one calling in from Yuma who is battling through metastatic breast cancer. And we're going to hear Marianne's story here in a little bit, but she has metastatic breast cancer as well. Would you, Brenda, would you say that sugar feeds cancer is an oversimplification? I, I, I'm going to say it is because there's a whole lot out there in the medical field that we just don't know, and cancer doesn't read the book very well. I imagine most of us can attest to that. I would imagine Marianne certainly can, having gone through this, and it just doesn't follow the script as you would think it probably would. There's a lot going on there that we probably don't know. Now, that doesn't mean natural items like, um, like fruit, but certainly consuming sugar is not good for your health in any fashion, and it's certainly going to be able to contribute to the cancer epidemic very, very quickly. But I do think it can be an oversimplification just because we don't understand the mechanics of the body very well. We're learning new things all the time. Well, and I like what Dr. Cohen is going to go on and say here. So he does reference two studies, one in 2011, and that was a study done in New York. And that study said that it was 4,500 postmenopausal women. That's a good amount of people. Yeah. 
I mean, again, mm -hmm. anyone who understands statistics, the bigger the group is, you know, to get better data, yeah. right? But they studied those mm -hmm. they studied those women over a 12-year period of time. So you've got length of study, lots of women, specific groups, postmenopausal, and they found that those with the highest blood sugar levels were twice as likely to develop colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Causation correlation. Right. Right? Then... Just one year later in Sweden, researchers showed men who drank one 12-ounce soda a day. Um, Amanda's husband, is. You're, if you're listening, she's looking at you right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one soda a day increased their risk of prostate cancer by 40%. That's so much. That's, That's a, almost 50%. Mm -hmm. That yeah. might as well be 50%, which might as well be 100%. So there's no more soda. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I didn't get to in the first half of the show, it says, for this study, scientists tracked the health of more than 8,000 men. Wow. Between the ages of 43 and 75, so we got a big age group, over the course of 15 years. So kind of like with the yeah. Will study, you know, big group. They also found an increased risk was connected with the faster-growing forms of prostate cancer, which are more likely to be fatal. So just like with breast cancer, there's varying stages. Same thing with prostate cancer. And they found an increased risk with the faster-growing forms of prostate cancer, which were more likely to be fatal. Right. Now, what I, I do like, the last thing he says, Britta, do you have a thought here, Britta? Yeah, another thing about that's very interesting information there, and I think he's an amazing researcher. I also think that in regards to the over oversimplification, the person who may be more prone to have that much sugar may be getting a big gulp on the way home from work. Not pointing any fingers at anybody specifically. <laughs> uh -huh. Just saying the type of person that would do that may also be the type of person that, what, doesn't get very much exercise, um, doesn't take supplements, uh, eats a lot of fast food, um, tends to have other habits that aren't really beneficial, doesn't get very much sleep or sunlight. So just putting it straight down to sugar could be, like he's saying, an oversimplification. Again, the person who has that extra sugar could be the same type of person that's doing these other things, but they're not being accounted for in this study. Now, I realize that you are in the 70-degree uh, Yuma, Arizona right now, but mm -hmm. everything you said, Amanda was nodding her head, mm -hmm. yes. That's my husband. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yep. Nailed it. What are you talking about him? <laughs> you, you also don't know what their, what their environmental pieces. Yeah. Brent, Brenda, Marianne was saying there's some environmental pieces that, to consider as well. What, what, what was your thoughts there, mm -hmm. Marianne? Well, just what what they do for a living. Do they are they around chemicals all day, or you know what environmental factors are they ingesting? Are they touching and working with in their job, their daily jobs? Yeah. Yeah. So to just point at sugar, it, like it is a yeah. It, but what he says here in this last piece, um, while proving a direct link between cancer and sugar requires more research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at least at least a guy with a PhD is admitting that be the link between cancer requires more research. The connection between sugar intake and the international explosion of type 2 diabetes is beyond question. Yeah. Type 2 diabetes now affects more than 420 million people worldwide. Wow. That's a lot of people. Almost 1 in 10 in the world have type 2 diabetes. Wow. Those are current statistics. And people with diabetes are also twice as likely to be diagnosed with pancreatic and colon cancer. So it's A plus B equals C. Yeah. <laughs> if you consume sugar, there's a good chance you're going to get diabetes. If you have diabetes, it doubles your chances of pancreatic and colon cancer. A doesn't equal C. 
but A plus B and C, you know? So yeah. he says, so even if you remain unconvinced about the implications of sugar, it's hard to ignore or display the path to cancer through diabetes as a real and dangerous trend. Yeah, that's crazy. I, My son, he's at risk for diabetes because he's got part of his pancreas taken out and um, all of that. Uh, long story, but he has to be very careful with his sugar intake for those extra reasons on top of everything else. And so that's what my thought went to is yeah. that, yeah, it does affect a lot of different things. So A plus B equals C. Yeah. 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 So yeah, be- well before, I, before I jump to the next one, um, I just want to give Marianne or Brenda a chance to chime in. Any thoughts, ladies? Well, I think that, uh, for one, we all have to reduce the amount of sugar that we intake no matter what. It it's It's for general health, not, not just for cancer, not, yes. not just for losing weight. It's we all need to consume less sugar. For self-care. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So there's a term they're going to bring up, Brenda, and I want you to throw your thoughts in because the next little section mm-hmm. says reducing your glycemic load. Before I get too far into this, Brenda, do you want to just, what is glycemic, what does he mean by glycemic load? Any thoughts, Brenda? Well, I'm not going to. Well, I'm not going to uh, claim to be an expert on this. I'd have to do a little tiny bit more research just to get some good terminology with it. But some foods are higher in how fast they, the sugar in the food goes into your body. And so years ago, they, they created a glycemic index for certain people with uh, conditions that may have need of that a little bit more than other folks, like people who are hypoglycemic, like people who are in, in need of information in regards to diabetes. So some foods enter the, enter the blood system a lot faster than another food would, and so they may want to be a little careful on consuming those foods because they can increase their level of sugar in their system at the time period. So like a white potato may go faster into your system than a sweet potato would white rice would go faster into your system than brown rice would. And a lot of the reasons for that is because of the type of food it is with the white rice, all of the whole has been removed. So the extra fiber with it isn't there to slow it down as it goes into your system. Just like we were talking about the orange juice versus the oranges, having the fiber in the oranges will go slower into your system. There's reasons that you would want it to go fast into your system. If you're having a diabetic crisis, you may want really fast sugar to get into your system right away that's a great time to drink some orange juice and get it in there without that fiber slowing it down. Mm-hmm. And, and you're nodding your head because like, your son kind of falls in this, doesn't he? Yeah, well, and my son's grandpa, he's a diabetic, and whenever he would have an episode, orange juice was the go-to yeah. to help him to get his blood sugar to go right back up as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about mm-hmm. it as being how fast it breaks yeah. down you know, the fiber being a part of it as well. Um, so that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, and Dr. Cohen does but you know what's, Go ahead, Brenda. Well, re- real quick, what's interesting is you saw that connection for your, your son and grandpa to be able to have that orange juice go in quickly. But we don't make a connection to the person who doesn't need it for that reason, how right. quickly it's also going into their system. Yeah. See? yeah. So when exactly. you make a connection, you go, oh, wait a minute. Actually, it's going into my system just as quickly as it is theirs. Yeah. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. So what Dr. Cohen does right. say is sugar isn't the only culprit behind blood, isn't the only behind blood sugar spikes. Highly processed. We've talked a lot about highly processed. Yeah. And refined foods like white bread, white sugar, breakfast cereals, crackers have what's called a high glycemic index. 
This, oh no, the listeners cannot see how big your eyes just got. <laughs> this means that the body can digest these foods and convert them into sugar quicker, literally within moments after you eat them. So just eating candy and drinking soda, eating foods with high glycemic index creates blood sugar spikes as well. In a 2016 study headed by um, a, di- a guy, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because it's very Asian looking, but he was at the MD Anderson. He had an MD, PhD. He found that patients eating foods with highest glycemic index had almost a 50% greater chance of getting lung cancer. Really? 50? 50% higher chance of getting wow. lung cancer because they were consuming foods with a high index. Right. So there's there's a very definite link that's occurring with a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And, 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 and he does say that there needs to be more data when it comes to sugar, but man, the correlation is out there on so many of these things. Absolutely. Jeez. All right, did I shock you? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Again. My husband, he drinks his soda pop, he loves his cereal, all of those things. He's <laughs> naughty. You're naughty, Bo. Naughty. <laughs> well, you know, when, I, when we learn more, then we can do more. Exactly. When we learn more, we can do better. Knowledge is power. <laughs> Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I do want to shift, and I want to make sure that I give Marianne time because um, her story is pretty amazing. But in in the timeline that we've been going through here, uh, it was early August of 2019. And my wife had decided to go to Portland and do this run called the Country Girl Run. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And she was going to do the 10K, so I knew she was going to be gone for about an hour. It took her about a little over an hour to do this. So once the run started, and it was, again, predominantly women out running. Right. And as I walked back to the, the main area, there's always vendors. There's always vendors with shoes or, you know, whatever for these runners. But there was one booth that surprised me, and it was the Breast Friends Group. Oh, I love that. The Breast Friends Group. That's <laughs> okay, the most cutest name ever. It's a nonprofit in Portland. Been around for 20 years. And it was two women, Becky Olson and Sharon. They both got breast cancer, so they were they were best friends who got breast cancer. So, breast so friends. they formed an organization called Breast Friends. I love it. And I met um, their program director named Yvonne. Okay. And I began to work alongside Breast Friends. Well, the other, the, their director name is Allison. Allison said, you really should meet the person in Salem who's like our, our person. I don't know what your title is, but our representative in the Salem area. So I was connected with Marianne. Okay. And Marianne is a breast cancer survivor. The the listeners can't see this, but we're both wearing our honoring shirts. Yes, I see and that. She has the uh, hers actually says honoring Marianne. Myself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I um, love it. And so um, I just wanted as a post- fancy shirts. Aren't they neat? Yeah. They're very customized. We do them one at a time. You just tell me the color you want because wh- this one is white because I have a friend named Mike who got lung cancer and he survived. Um, so we do them in the color you want. They're the men's are different collars and the women's um and we do them one at a time they're really I like cool. it they're really cool but i i thought i couldn't even possibly do marianne's story justice so i want marianne to share her cancer's journey with us all right wow well it's it's been it has been quite a journey um my my story starts back in 2009 i was 45 and my husband one day just happened to pick me up and give me this bear hug and it compressed my breast and and it hurt. Went to bed that night, I'm laying there and I said, wow, my breast really hurts. It's still hurting. And I was feeling where it hurt and I felt a lump. Oh. 
And I thought, oh, that feels very weird. That is, that's not normal. Luckily, I had a doctor appointment already scheduled for the next day just oh. for a checkup. It was perfect. Wow. Said, hey, while well, I'm here, can you check this? And he said, yeah, that does feel kind of suspicious. Fast forward a week, I've had a mammogram, which I had just had one six months earlier. Really? I had an ultrasound and then a biopsy, and it came back that it was positive for um, stage three lobular breast breast cancer. Uh, lobular breast cancer is um, where it, it the cancer is in the lobes of your milk ducts. Okay. So there's ductal cancer, breast cancer. There's so many, many different kinds of breast cancers. And when you get into this world of breast cancer, then you start realizing exactly what is, what's all out there. The type that I have, they call it the sneaky breast cancer because it is not detectable by mammogram. Okay. So that's why they didn't see it. And um, finding out later, they saw it probably three years earlier. And they did an ultrasound on it. And at that time, it was very small. And they said it was calcifications. Women get calcifications in their breast. So uh, that was in November. So November 19th is what I call my cancerversary okay. date. Every woman that has breast cancer has said, this is my cancerversary date. Depends on how you decide to celebrate it. But right. that, that's the day that I that I found out I have breast cancer. That was the day that I called. In, in call. two, 2009. 2009. Okay. okay. So, I had to write that day down. <laughs> <laughs> so by the, by the end of the year... Um, I had had a, um, double, uh, mastectomy and, um, started reconstruction. And by the beginning of February started chemotherapy. Um, my cancer was, as I said earlier, stage three out of the lymph nodes that they tested and under my arm, I had 12 out of 17 that were positive, and that's a high wow. amount. Yeah. So they told me at that point the likelihood of my cancer metastasizing was going to be greater than 67%. Wow. I'll never forget that. 67%. That's it wasn't right. yeah. 60. It wasn't 70. It was 67. 67. That's a very interesting number. To <laughs> I know. I was like, how do you pick that? So 67.4%. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, go along doing my, I had two different types of chemotherapy that I was doing, um, finished that, did my radiation um, in later that year, probably by August of, of 2010 was completely done with treatment. And this is always the part that uh, any any cancer survivor has a hard time dealing with is, is you're done. And they say, okay, you're done. Go live your life. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, you're like, be free. They think you've been waiting to be free, which of course you have been. But now nobody's looking at you. Nobody's checking you out weekly. Nobody's asking you how you feel. Nobody's, it, it just is a, it's a whole new world. Yeah. And, and now you're sitting there waiting. And when early on, when I met the ladies from Breast Friends, one of the reasons I loved Breast Friends is they pick, uh, what the date that Marianne just talked about, that's kind of where Breast Friends steps in. 
you know, so you've been given the no evidence of disease. You're fine, right? You're fine. But you're never fine. You've got cancer. Right. It's got to so be always. Breast Friends has this community to help you through the rest of your journey. Right. So when I uh, when I got acquainted with Breast Friends, it, w- it was after I was completely done with treatment. And I, I needed somebody to help me deal with my head. Process and, and, everything. Yeah, process but also just get my mindset right. And when they, when I got, I got acquainted with Sharon first, Sharon Hennepin, and she was great with helping me um, get connected with other women, talk to her, whatever it was. And the more and more I talked with Sharon and with Becky, I, I said, you know, I to start a support group, a breast cancer support group here in Salem with breast friends because we had um, support groups in in Portland, but we didn't have any with them, with with the nonprofit breast friends. Right. And so we ended up a few years later, we started doing a um, support group down here in Salem for breast friends. We are, we do our shows. Sorry. You're okay. We do our um, meetings on the third Wednesday of every month and we do them at the Salem Hospital. Super easy to get into and we meet from 6 to 8 p.m. and it's a great group of women. Sometimes we have four women. Sometimes we have 10 women. We right. never know how many are going to show up and and we just have a wonderful time. They're the neatest gals, all gals from different walks of life, different age groups. Um and it's it's so enjoyable cuz you all understand what each other is going through. It's a yeah. safe space. You can talk about anything and we just really enjoy being together and spending that time. Now I, I want to make sure you have time for your second part of your journey, but I do want to recognize the fact that I got the I got the opportunity to go to the Breast Breast Friends lunch and this year, mm-hmm. you were recognized by the Breast Friends organization this year, weren't you? I was, and this is I twice. I got it twice. I was recognized twice this month. The beginning of well of October, the beginning of October, I was given the Becky Olson Courage Award, and um, Becky Olson was the co-founder of Breast Friends. It's the second year that they've given this award out, and so I was the second recipient. Then um, at the luncheon, they gave um, they give out an award called the Angel Award, and so um, myself and two of the gal two of the other gals that do the support groups up in Portland also got the award. So the three of us got it together and the reason that they gave it to us because we haven't we haven't done our luncheon since uh covid okay so then um with that we ended up being able to give us this award all three of us together and they said it was because of the way we pivoted during covid and took our in-person meetings and took them to zoom to virtual meetings yeah. well i we're really running tight on time really quick you're in the fight again aren't you? I am. I am metastatic and I was, um, my mind has gone into my bones and I found out in 2018 that I was now metastatic and yeah, it's having a little party in there right now. So we're working hard to knock it down and and tell them who's boss, you know, talk about a force of nature. You know, I I need to be a force of nature for that cancer and get it to calm down. And I know that back in June when we had our cancer awareness weekend with the 
volcanoes, she had a chance to throw out the first pitch, which was, that was really fun. Great. Okay. Yeah. And at the time, she had this beautiful head of hair. <laughs> and the listeners can't see this, but you have your cap on because the chemo is just taking your hair from you. Yep, my, my hat says, has anybody seen my hair? Because I, <laughs> I have no hair again. So, yeah, I don't, but, mind, I don't mind not having hair. It's, it's actually kind of nice. Yeah, but now, but now the battle is the metastatic cancer is now in your bones. Right. Which is a whole different battle. Yep, a whole different battle. And my my cancer now has actually morphed into a different type of breast cancer. So it's morphed into triple negative breast cancer. So it's unusual. It's rare for that to happen. Uh, I just, I have a, a really good friend who had the same thing happened. And, and we just happened to be uh, lucky ones. I, maybe have, I need to buy a lottery ticket. I don't know. Well, that's awesome. You guys have each other to kind of lean on through that. Because if it's rare to, to have somebody that's going through similar things, that's... And we could next next show we can get more into the triple negative. I've been doing some research on this, and so I'm a little more educated on triple negative. Okay. When we're tight on time, so. Okay. Well, you're in my prayers. Thank you. And keep fighting the good fight. I am. Thank you one for being here, and two for sponsoring the second half of the show. Absolutely. And Brenda, thank you for joining us. Yeah, always a pleasure for sure. And Marianne, you've got my, you've got me. I'm watching on you. I'm praying for you, my friend. Thank wow, you. Good for you guys. Thank you. Thank you for everything you and, and Byron are doing. Thank you so much. You got you. It's the best. All right. Well, we are going. All right, you guys. We are going to close up, you guys. Uh, Marianne, thank you again so much. And she is actually a sponsor of this whole second half, and that's Next Home Realty Connection. And they are out here in Salem now. What's the address again? One twenty Salem Heights Avenue South. So make sure to check her out, you guys. Thank you so much, and we will be back next Saturday as as the the movement movement continues. continues.